Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about encryption, and we're going to focus more on uh, specific like encryption tools and sort of the, uh, the practical things that, that uh, you can use out there. Probably be some that you're using already, even if you may not know it, and some that you may want to use. So I'm very much looking forward to this. Uh, Rochelle, we went uh, we went up to my parents this weekend, and uh, while we usually have some technology conversations, we ended up talking about some encryption tools, which I thought was sort of interesting. Uh, we have like family group chats that we usually just do over uh, SMS, like just normal text messaging. And uh, my dad, surprisingly, was like, hey, I've heard about this thing called, uh, I think he was talking about Telegraph. He's like, maybe we should use that because I hear it's secure. He had some other like reasons he had heard of it. And I was like, oh, this fits great into our podcast. (laughs) Maybe we can have your family join us and we might learn something from them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, like, so Telegraph, so when we think about encryption, you know, just to recap what we talked about last time, encryption is a way of securing your communications or uh, documents in a way that people can't intercept it and read it. And I think where that really uh, is important is around like text messaging, right? Like we all text message, you know, like not, I would say we use text messaging expecting that the world is not going to read all of our text messages, you know? Uh, and while the world may not be reading all of our text messages, uh, people definitely could intercept text messages and read them if they wanted, especially like your uh, your cell phone provider. And where uh, encryption comes in are things like Telegraph, uh, Signal. And then we talked last week even about like Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. Uh, and all of those used encryption, but they all use them slightly differently. Um, I would call Telegraph and more specifically Signal more secure because there you manage the encryption keys. The problem is uh, if you're managing the encryption keys, you can lose the encryption keys. (laughs) So that's not always great for end users. And it's always, I always find it sort of an interesting balance, right? Like how security and ease of use are often in odds with each other. And I think, especially around messaging, uh, that is definitely the case, right? Like, I don't want to be able to prevent, I don't want to lose all my contacts because I lost my phone encryption key. But I also don't really want someone else managing my encryption key because then they can uh, pretend to be me. So it's, do you, I'm curious what you think, Rochelle, like, where do you see that perfect balance for the consumer? So if there is a perfect balance. If there's a perfect balance. So first of all, most legitimate financial institutions will not send you a text message. They're not, Mm -hmm. you know, they might send you uh, some kind of, I I have never received a message, text message from any financial institution. I may get an email, but not a text message. Mm -hmm. So most of my text messages are generic. Like, you know, I sent one to, all of my father's side of the family this morning about a family reunion. Who cares? 
I mean, the only problem in there is the Zoom link. And I guess if someone got the Zoom link, they might join our, our family reunion. But, mm -hmm. you know, we have tools to kick them out. I think that encryption is one of those things where the balance really depends on the user. So if you were to ask my aunt and uncle, I'll read your message I, I got when I sent this, and I'll tell you this how this works. So I got this message this morning at 1125. It says, I am happy that you are starting the family reunion. I do not know what that means to join. Someone will have to show me how to click on the link to join. Now, I'm going to tell you, that message just sit me down because, like, somebody will have to tell you. If you know it's a link to click, why somebody have to tell you that? Yeah. But, yeah. But, but imagine where that person is technically, right? So you can guess that that's not a technical person, right? Mm -hmm. And so sending them an encrypted message or text probably would fail every time. So if the person is my age, maybe, or maybe more younger, maybe in their 40s, because if you think my son and children born after my son, they've had technology in their hand all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and a part of the reason why I started this group was to, this, this podcast was to think about how people understand technology and use technology, especially black and brown people. Because if we are going to tell them to encrypt their text messages, are we going to be there? Are we going to provide information on how to decrypt and read the message if you send it that way? And I would say if you're sending a message to someone you can guess or have some idea they're not technical, I would suggest you not send a, a, an encrypted message to them. Pick up the phone and call them. Yeah. Now, yeah. What's the cure about a phone call, right? So we could go there, but we aren't, we're only talking about encryption today. But the, the idea is, is the happy balance is one, is to have some kind of encryption available to you if you need. So if you're sending out generic messages, hey, how are you? How was your weekend? Who cares? You know, but if you're sending out something that's really important or something that's valuable or something that, that really needs to be private, encryption matters. Now, Signal, I think, you know, so... What I know about Signal, I understand Telegraph is a little bit more challenging. You know, you need to step up your understanding. You need to fully understand where Signal seems to be a little bit more user friendly. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. the case in all cases, but it does seem to be a little bit more user friendly. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're both mostly user friendly at this point. Um, I haven't used Telegraph a lot, but Signal seems very, for the most part, it's straightforward. It's going to generate your key for you. The trouble with all of these apps, I think, is when you're using a, an encrypted messaging app, like the very first time you talk to someone, you have to say like, yes, I'm sure this is who I'm talking to. Uh, because that's sort of, that's accepting their key. That's saying like, hey, I think that I've messaged Rochelle. I sent a message to Rochelle. She sent me a message back. Like, is this really her the first time? And once you accept that, boom, that's Rochelle. And I think the, tr the problem there is if I was chatting with someone who isn't Rochelle, who's just claiming to be you, uh, then I'm going to be chatting with that person. And all I really know is that it was the person who claimed to be Rochelle. And I think it's interesting. What a lot of people do is they'll actually exchange uh, keys in person. Or so when we get, if we were to both be on signal, uh, you know, we could they generate little codes or whatever, and you can scan each other's code. And then I can be 100% sure Rochelle is who I'm talking to, unless like a pod person had invaded your body and stolen your phone, which is also uh, maybe not out of the realm of possibility, but hopefully not something that we're going to run into <laughs> on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, for me, like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. 
I think one of the things that you said in uh, one of our podcast talks, you know, like everything has duality to it, right? So the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Everything that, that we create in the space of technology, whether it's a computer or a phone, whatever you're getting, iPad, tablet, you know, whatever, that the, the duality of it, right? So it's so convenient, so helpful, so handy. So my husband has an iPad and he draws on it. So he makes pretty pictures, mm-hmm. right? Every time he finishes a picture, the app that gave him this pops up and says, log in, right? So a lot of times when you are using technology, the most important thing is to have a resource you can go to for help. So I I would guess this, your parents count on you a lot for technical information, right? So if they need technical help, they call you, right? Uh, For the most part, or my brother, he's really good too. (laughs) But I'm saying they don't Google it. They call somebody who knows because the answer you get when you Google it may or may not be correct. And if Mm -hmm. you follow the steps to do it, you may or may not succeed. So I would say if you're considering encryption, encryption is good if you're sending secure or personal or financial information to anyone, whether you send it to your family or whether you send it to uh, Santa Claus. It's important to encrypt that kind of information if you're sending it through a medium. But then that comes to the question of encrypting your email. So if you send it through email, right? Mm-hmm. If you've got a document on your computer that is you know, important or, or significant, do you encrypt that? And so you get to these conversations of asking, do I encrypt everything? Do I encrypt some things? And then generally the user has this, this kind of behavior where they forget or it's too difficult to, to do. And so, what it, so for people that at your place, they call the help desk to get help with it. But who does the ordinary user call and what advice do you give them? So we're hoping here with this podcast that we're giving you enough information for you to act accordingly. But I will always have this caveat. Technology has both positive and negative sides to it. So you must understand that before we just jump right in. It's fun to be on Facebook and whatever the social media you are. But just remember, that's not your data. Once you put it out there, it belongs to them. And so you have to think about encryption in a way is how you use technology and it is a benefit for you. So I have never encrypted a single text I sent on my phone because I don't send anything valuable on my phone. Drew, can you meet this afternoon? Drew, you have a few minutes? Who cares? You know, I don't send that kind of personal information by my phone. Even via email, I'm I'm, I'm the type of person I believe in pick up the phone and call because I don't want to have all of my information shared with whoever Google shares it with. Although Mm -hmm. Google is probably a little bit more secure than other places, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a 50, 50 wash, right? So you have to decide how to do that. So if you are, Jordan, I'm asking you this, if you are suggesting people encrypt, are you suggesting they encrypt everything when they're sending a text or do they just encrypt those secure texts? So I think that's a great question. And I think it's more, I think it's a slider and it's going to be different for everybody. So like if you visualize like a slider where on one end is complete ease of use, 100% zero encryption. And on the other end of that slider is encrypt everything and there's going to be pain involved in it. (laughs) Yes. 
you know, like, cause it's going to be pain, right? Like I remember doing when I was originally doing like encrypted emails, like it's great until you stop using it and then forget about it and then lose your key. And then six months later, when you, somebody sends you an encrypted message and you're like, Oh, I've like forgotten where I put that key like that. I, I forgot all about that. It's, it's gone now. Like that's, that's pain. And I think the same thing for, uh, for text messages, like, Personally speaking, like, I, I totally know what you mean when you say like, well, I'm not sending anything important. I don't care if people read it. And for the most part, I feel the same way about my text messages. But on the other side, like, even if it's not important, I don't think that even if it's not important or sensitive, I don't think other people should be able to read your communications, right? Like, maybe right. they're not going to do anything bad with it. But at the very least, like at some point, it'll probably be used for advertising to you, which I, I feel like is is very, I don't know, icky. Like it just feels icky to be advertised into using something that you are like privately or you thought you were privately communicating about. So for uh, me, go one, ahead. one thing I want to say about that. So if you are getting those mails and God knows, I, I, mails and phone calls, I get them a gazillion of them. There is one thing you can do and. I, we're not going to walk you through step by step, but you can block them. You can mm -hmm. block it so that they cannot contact you. And although you might be blocking a thousand a day or something, if you get a lot of email, especially if you're if they're you know responding to your text, then you might end up having to block a lot of people. Or you know, and I don't really suggest this, but you know, you can even click on it if it's something you might find interesting. I would say if Macy sent you a link, instead of responding and clicking on that link, I would just go to Macy's myself, I would type Macy's.com or .org, whatever they are, but I type um, type in that versus clicking on that link. If you see something that's valuable, look at the source it's sending. And if you want to go check it out, go go to your computer, open your browser and type in Macy's.com or Google Macy's, just Macy's and you may get some people, but you ought to find it because you don't know what's in that email that someone is sending you. And mm -hmm. I will tell you the most, the closest way to be, uh, uh, ransomware, fished, scammed, spammed, uh, identity theft is to click on a link in an email that you did not have any part of. So in other words, you didn't send an email to that person or something. You don't know who that is. And so if, if there's a link, they want you to click a link, go to that link. So if it came from Macy's, go to that link. And the other thing, I think Drew told us this many months ago, but you can click on the who it's from and it'll expand and show you who that's from and you'll find out it's from santa claus and not macy's now you might think they're the same thing but i would say neither one of them are good coming to you in an email that you did not request or invite yeah yeah absolutely and that's a great point like uh as far as email goes like i will not click any link in an email the exception being i like zoom links like you know how we said like if you send somebody a link to a zoom meeting and you just say like let's click this link like there's a good chance that I'm going to click that one because that would be, you can't Google a, a, a zoom link. It has all the data right there in the link. And it's, it would be very hard to like retype out. And I think that's sort of the slider, right? Like uh, I get a zoom link. I know, like, I'm pretty sure I know who it's from. It looks like a zoom link. I'm probably going to click it. Although now that I sort of say this out loud, I feel like maybe I need to be more watchful of the zoom links that come through. Uh, but it's hard. And email was not meant to be encrypted, which I think, or was not created with encryption in mind, which is, I think, still a huge hurdle for all of us 
uh, using email. And that's why, like, I definitely think everyone should keep their email credentials as secure as possible. And all the, pretty much all the big email providers are going to keep your credential communication secure without you having to do too much about it. Uh, but, you know, I, when I send an email, for the most part, I send it with the knowledge of, hey, this may like be out in the open some point because my email may get hacked. The email may be intercepted. Uh, and just, you know, be mindful of, uh, of when you're doing that. Um, if you create an encryption key, and I hate to say this, either mm -hmm. make your, uh, write on a piece of paper a note where it is. So you, mm -hmm. you might just put some, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to write a complete sentence. My encryption key is in my pocketbook or on this drive or in this space, but write down so you know where to go. Because I think Drew and I talked to you about this. If you do a password manager, if you lose your master password, guess what? <laughs> Everything is gone. <laughs> Everything is gone. You got to start anew. And so for these types of things, you really need to think about this. So if you run out, oh, Rochelle and Drew told us to encrypt and you run out, encrypt, you buy everything. You know, if you're not careful, in other words, that encryption key becomes very valuable because without that, if you encrypt and you don't keep up with that key, in other words, you don't know where it is or you forgot it or some of that, guess what? Yeah. So it's, it's those kinds of things. And it, it refers back to my duality, you know? And so I think that one of the most important things you can do is think about it. And, I, and I'll tell you a little story. So I think I told you this the last time we talked. So I buy Bitcoin through Cash App, right? So mm -hmm. I can't afford to buy a whole $42,000 Bitcoin, but I buy pieces of Bitcoin, right? I got an email from Cash App yesterday telling me one of their employees stole user data, right? Ooh. So- you know, think about that for a minute. So you are having a financial relationship with someone that employs people, right? Not not robots, but people. Robot might steal your data too, but not right now. They haven't gotten, they haven't learned that yet, but people will for financial reasons, right? So they are ransoming cashware to get that cash app to get that stuff back. But right now they have access to it. So username, they don't have social security, but username, you know, you know stuff like that. So what what we want to emphasize is that there are vulnerabilities everywhere. So if you are thinking about these apps in a way that says, hey, I am going to use this thing or respond to this thing, you, you have to really think through whether encryption, two-factor authentication, all these things will work for you because you're going to have to know how that works. So let's just say you get a new phone, right? Your phone, you know, Verizon offered you this great phone for a dollar and you mm -hmm. ran out and got it, did you back the phone up? Because that will ensure you can transfer the data easy. But there are still some parts about it. If you set up encryption, that encryption key does not follow that new phone. Right. No, you have to. <laughs> so all of these are things to think about. Yeah. There was, uh, that reminds me, I was watching a documentary on Netflix last night about a Canadian Bitcoin startup where the, uh, uh, it was during the, I guess, like the high time of uh, Bitcoin before they like sort of crashed and then rose back up. And uh, this guy lived in Canada. He was running a Bitcoin exchange where I believe his exchange managed your private Bitcoin keys so that the consumer doesn't have to worry about it. Right. Like the consumer doesn't want to think about uh, where their key is and if their key is secured. So they were like, well, let's just do that for them. Well, uh, guess what happened? <laughs> 
like he, t- he took the money like he has right. all these keys he owns like he can take those bitcoins i have not finished the documentary yet so i'm curious to see where it leads but it sounds like he is either uh died or faked his own death but either way all those public all those private keys left with him like uh right. they're gone now and that was because of the ease of hey we'll just let this company manage our stuff we won't manage it ourselves because managing that stuff is hard yes it is and 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 again we want you to be safe while you're out there the internet is your friend and it is not your friend and everything associated with it is your friend and it's not your friend. So you have to be responsible for you. Yeah. You have to be responsible for what you're doing. I strongly suggest whatever you do, encrypt or not to encrypt, back up everything I, and back up regularly, you know, once a week, once a day, whatever. If you're a heavy user, once a day, but at least once a week, restart your computer once a week. You know, these are the kind of things that will help you stay secure as much as you possibly can. Because when you mm-hmm. click on a link someplace, they download their cookies to you or your, you know, they their information. So you get this little thing, you go to say, we do this privacy such and such that we use cookies. Such yeah. You know, if you don't know what that means, that means that they are tracking and capturing your behavior. Not all of it, but enough for them to say, hey, this customer visited my site for whatever purposes they use, statistics or whatever. But that's what they are mm-hmm. intentionally doing. So we are always leaning toward being safe. And mm-hmm. that backup is one way to stay safe. It's stay safe for ransomware. And if you're a big user, you should back up every day because you never know. But if you are a limited user, in other words, you only use it for Facebook, you might create a document, send an email, you can back up once a week. But back up your computer because mm-hmm. you never know what's going to happen. At least you can get some of your data back, if not all. Yeah. And along with backing up, like testing those backups is good as well. Like uh, the worst thing is when you think you're backing something up and it's not actually being backed up. So, you know, you don't need to restore your whole computer, but just, you know, if you're backing up once a week, maybe once every couple months, just go in and see if you can get an old version of one of your files. Oh, there we go. I see your, uh, your, your backup device right there, Rochelle. <laughs> the time machine have a great relationship. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's also important just to know, like, when we talk about a slider between, you know, uh, no security, great ease of use, ultra security, hard to do, like, just be aware of where you are on that slider, right? Like, if you go to a website that doesn't have HTTPS on there, it's only HTTP, like, maybe that's okay, right? Maybe that's not the end of the world. But just sort of think about it and be like, do I care? what's going through this HTTP site, or do I really want to try and find that HTTPS version because I want to be sure it's secure. Nowadays, like luckily most stuff is HTTPS, but we still hit sites that don't, uh, that don't do that. And I don't want to say like, never use that site. That site should be dead to you, but just be aware of it. Just know that like, Hey, I'm using a site that's not HTTPS now. Uh, I'm going to be a little extra cautious and like not put a password in there or not use something that's going to, uh, that could be intercepted or could be read or could be used against me later on. So tell us, first tell us what HTTP means and what does HTTPS mean and what's the difference between a site that has it and doesn't have the S. Mm-hmm. So HTTP is Hypertext Transfer Protocol, which was the original, it's the protocol that web browsers speak. So if you load up google.com, uh, And you get like, you know, you get the Google logo, you get a search bar. It's great. It's HTTP that's delivering that to you. 
So all internet things have a protocol associated. So if you're sending an email behind the scenes, you're talking SMTP. Uh, if you use a website, you're using HTTP. Uh, there's FTP for file transfer, tr file transports, but HTTP is the most popular. Uh, like everything in the web, when it was originally created, it was all plain text, completely insecure. And at some point they added uh, a protocol to encrypt your web traffic called SSL. And the easy way to tell if you're using uh, the encrypted protocol versus the non-encrypted protocol is to look in your URL bar. And if it says HTTP colon slash slash whatever, that's insecure. If it says HTTPS, the S for secure colon slash slash, that means it's a secure network. Uh, browsers today are going to give you like a little lock on your uh, URL browser because it's sort of annoying to have to think, is this HTTP colon or HTTPS colon? So now they'll just give you a little lock uh, at the top to say if it's secure and using HTTPS. Uh, and even uh, they started this a few years ago where instead of just showing a lock or not a lock, now a lot of times you'll get like a straight like red warning when you go to an HTTP site just because it's beginning to be not the normal. Uh, and most folks with, the, with things like Let's Encrypt that allow easier and free encryption on websites, HTTPS is becoming more of the default as opposed to HTTP without the S. Yeah. And SSL is single layer secure, secure, secure sockets layer, I think is the, yeah. And, and that's, hasn't that been deprecated to TLS now? Isn't that not the case? It has. So this will be a little history lesson, but we had SSL, which was the very first, uh, encryption protocol for HTTP. SSL went through, I believe, three versions. So there was SSL version one, version two, and version three. Uh, and then they switched to a new technology called TLS, which stands for transport layer security. Uh, they function mostly the same, but they're different under the covers. Uh, we, and we have now, there was TLS 1.0, 1.1, 1.2, which is what most stuff is on now. And there is 1.3, which is sort of the up and coming TLS version. So the scary part is all the SSL versions have been deprecated because they can all be cracked. And all of the TLS versions up to TLS version 1.2 have been able to be cracked. So really you want to be using TLS version 1.2 or 1.3. Uh, and then if we do this- how do you know you're using, what version are you using? How do you know? So as a consumer, it's very hard. So this is all set on the server side. But if you want to tell on the consumer side, uh, if you click the lock icon up in the URL bar, you'll see like a little connection is secure thing. And you can, I'm doing this as we speak. So uh, <laughs> to make sure it actually does say it. And you can examine the TLS details in there. Uh, and does it say which version? I was, look I was looking at my, I, I looked at Opera. I looked at Chrome. I don't see, mm -hmm. I see the lock in Opera. Let's see, mm -hmm. go back to Chrome. I don't see the lock in Chrome. Um, so, 
Let me see in Safari. I see the lock in Safari. So I wonder if uh, each of the uh, browsers is probably going to be a little bit different. And now I worry that this is going to be bad information because I don't actually see the version of TLS that it's using in this secure path, which is where I was expecting it to be. So maybe that's something that folks shouldn't worry about because if right. you can't actually see what it is, then don't worry about it. <laughs> if what, we talk, what we talked about, HTTPS, th that's the most important part of it mm -hmm. is to make sure that you have an S. And if you don't have an S, be very cautious in going forward with that site. Don't necessarily, like you said, we're not telling you not to, but just be cautious. And so, and sometimes you don't pay attention to that, right? You just see something you click on, you don't pay attention. Yep. Technology requires you to pay attention. You cannot be laxed in technology because just because you go to Facebook or wherever it is and you're able to do whatever you're doing does not mean that that technology is loving you. And yep. The people who create these things are really smart people who have really smart ideas, and almost all of them are for the good. The problem is, is as a resource comes comes to the public, it fades in its in its security, if you will. It fades in its whatever because so many things can come to it, right? So you know, most people know that there are extensions you can add to a browser, right? So some people go out and add them all. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Find the ones that matter to you, right? So something like DuckDuckGo or some sort of security means that in your browser, you have a little bit. You know, we talked to you about this before, deleting your cookies and your history. And, you know, if you're not comfortable doing any of that, you don't have to do it. You just have to be aware to protect your computer. And I go back to the same old sad song, back it up. Yes. Back it up, back it up. And if you are one of these people who are adventurous and you just try anything, so whatever comes to you, you just, back up your computer immediately or your yeah. phone or wherever you're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also good to sort of like review those going forward. Like if you're, and I, I do this as well. Like uh, I love browser extensions. They're great, but I try not to install one unless I need to. And if I do need it like for a day, I'll install it for a day and then remove it. Right. Because most of those browser extensions for the most part, you're not going to want them every day. Like maybe you'll want them for one or two things, but like, you know, I especially like the ones that put like a little icon in the uh, in the browser bar because that's a very easy notifier for me to be like, yeah, I don't use that anymore. I'm going to kill that off because while it may be fine today, it may not be great at a year or two years. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Eminent Technology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.